when you turn on TV, when they, when you see international news, even local news, everything is scary. You know, I believed that in a sense. You know, I left home very scared of. I didn't even know what, but I was full of fear uh, of people, of everything I heard of media. People taught me a lot. And I left home full of hate. You know, I didn't want to see anybody. I just wanted to be out. And then little by little, people taught me how to love because they were showing me their love. And you cannot love if you, are not, if you, don't, if you don't feel loved. And that's how I felt traveling. You know, people, everyone I met, they were showing love, respect, they were kind. So at one point, I guess that's what I started learning from them and that's what I'm trying to also give back to other people. Humanity is one and there's only one way forward for everybody. The only way forward is all together. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Aaron, and it's the Simply Overcoming podcast. So happy that you guys are here once again joining us. I have a a guest today that I'm so excited about, and I want to introduce him. But first, before I do, I want to tell you a brief story. Back in 2017, I was going with a church group to Glacier National Park to spend some time there together, and we stopped at a little gas gas station just outside of Bonners Ferry, Idaho. And I'm I'm always curious about people who are driving vans, people who are backpacking, hitchhiking. So I seen this guy sitting in his bl- little blue um, van, and I thought I've got to talk to this guy. 1985. Volkswagen bus and so I walked up to this guy come to find out it's the gentleman who's going to be on the podcast today he has an incredible story of travel and adventure he has a heart for people Franco thank you so much for being on the podcast today thank you thank you so much for for this invitation I'm I'm glad you're not practicing now with me <laughs> you you uh you're such a humble guy Franco and and when I met you I I I recognize just how much you love people and and that's really been a huge part of all of the journeys that you have taken is the people who you meet is that correct yeah it's uh actually that's how it is that's how it was like you said i started traveling nine years ago in 2012 and uh, i wasn't really prepared for traveling at all i didn't know what i was gonna do what i was doing at that moment so I guess his people were the ones who helped me out and were like kind of pushing me forward, uh, like you said, m- me and my bus. Uh, so yeah, and, and again, then traveling, I realized that it's all about people, you know. And uh, I remember exactly when you showed up in Idaho, like you just uh, just said, you guys invited me to go join you in Glacier National Park. I was driving down from Alaska. Uh, down to Mexico and I I wanted to go to that park so I have great memories and now again thank you so much for being open for being uh, so like welcoming over there it was a really nice experience we had a great time with you and we really um have enjoyed following you on your journey and uh and you've had a lot going on and you're back in Argentina now correct yeah yeah I'm I'm, I'm from here I'm back home Okay, yeah. excellent. How's it? How's it like to be back home? Uh, it's 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 pretty nice. It's not easy though because uh, it's not just to be back in my home country. It's also to be in a different lifestyle. You know, we were used to be moving. We were used to a different life. Now we are in Buenos Aires, which is a 15 million people city. 
Um, on one side is good because I'm in an apartment. I have a hot shower. I have a bathroom. I have a nice bed. I'm comfortable. I have a referee, you know. But on the other hand, I'm lacking this uh, daily adventure of not knowing where I'm going to sleep tonight and where I'm going to wake up the next morning. So I'm still working on my thoughts. And uh, it's also been pretty interesting because I'm coming from Africa. So that makes that gives me a different perspective of comparison it's not the same if i come back from the us or if i come back from europe or if i come back from chile let's say or whatever else but coming back from africa i'm appreciating every single thing i have down here mm, yeah for sure you're thankful for what you have in life absolutely yeah absolutely i i have to show you something really quick for, for the listeners of the podcast, this is the very first episode where we're actually filming the podcast. And so I hope if you guys are interested, you can go and watch the podcast on the Simply Overcoming uh, YouTube channel. But this is what I've got going on over here. I, I, had, to bring, oh, I had to bring the shirt. <laughs> I can't believe it's still, you know, it's still there. <laughs> I, still, I still have the shirt. I still have the shirt. I've had to keep it. It was definitely a fond memory meeting Damn, you, Franco. <laughs> that's very nostalgic yeah Whoa. yeah yeah because i mean it's that's what we were doing for living you know um people a lot of people think that travelers are always uh, rich or they have uh, i don't know different incomes from home parents these there and uh, we were making money on the way which made everything more interesting but at the same time hardish in a sense and uh yeah, now that I see it, I remember you guys were really cool supporters that day and yeah. We bought we a bought really a few shirts and some hats and yeah, it was great. Well, I, I'm I wanna jump into your journey because um you actually went to college for, for business, is that correct? For marketing. Yeah. Yeah, I did marketing, yeah, correct. So at a point in your life, you came to the decision that that was not what you wanted to do. You wanted to experience the world. You wanted to go out and meet people. And so you made a decision to do something. And what is it exactly that you, that you wanted to do? Well, the thing is, I didn't know what to do, but I knew what I, did. I didn't want to do, which was what I was exactly doing. So I don't know if that makes any sense. But yeah, like you said, I was studying at night. Um, in Argentina, working during the day. Argentina is different than, in, than the US. People kind of work and study because the economy is not very good. So pretty much my whole day, I was out there doing something I didn't like or I wasn't enjoying. So I just proposed myself to finish the studies, marketing, and to quit my office uh, job and to go out there and see what else is going on in the world besides what TV says which is very tricky. And uh, then rea then traveling, I realized is 100% tricky. So I just wanted to go and see what other options uh, was life and the world offering out there. So wasn't prepared at all, but at least I had my degree with me, which in Argentina, at least in this society, when you have a degree, you become a different person, let's say. You know, you, you gain some respect just by the fact of studying, even though I don't really agree with that, but it, it puts you in a different position. Higher status. Exactly. Exactly. Something like that, hmm. which to me, I don't, I disagree hundred percent, but still, you know, that's how it works. 
Hmm. What do you what do you exactly mean when you say that the media is sort of um, playing this tricky game? I know you said that in I, I actually did a little short documentary about you in in Glacier National Park that people can go and watch on the YouTube channel. But, you know, what exactly do you mean by that? But um, here I, I'm going to talk about Argentina, right? Um, when you turn on TV, when they when you see international news, even local news, everything is scary. You know, uh, we live in the worst in the worst place on Earth, and we live in the worst plan possible planet. People are disgusting. The world is horrible. Everybody hates us as Argentinians, and uh, I believed that in a sense you know i left home very scared of i didn't even know what but i was full of fear uh of people of everything i heard of media and um, then when i started traveling that same the first day i started i left home 10 blocks away from home the car broke broke up and i didn't know anything about mechanics because i came from the office and 10 minutes later, someone came, helped me to push the car out of the, the main road. And then another guy just came out of nothing saying like, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? A guy that I didn't know and I wasn't expecting at all. He went under the car by himself. He fixed the thing, which I didn't know what it was. And he said, okay, man, you're ready to go to Alaska. And I was like, what? What do you mean? That's it? And you're leaving without, he didn't even ask for money. He didn't even ask for anything else. He said like, hey, have a good day. Take care. And I was shocked. You know, that was my first, not even my first day. That was my first 10 minutes traveling. And then is when I, that's the same moment when I realized, okay, this, I think this will be big. Hmm. Talk to me about the bus. Clarita is the name of the bus. Clarita. Yeah. Yeah. Clarita comes from Clara, which is Claire in English. Um, Clara is uh, my younger sister. So Clarita is in it's like it's uh, the name after her, and um, yeah, it's a bus. Honestly, people think like I wanted that bus because it represents the hippie movement or this or that. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't a hippie. I actually wanted to buy something else, but I didn't have the money for it. So pretty much Clarita is the only thing I could afford. Then with time, this car became super expensive because it kind of became a trend or whatever. But yeah, all I needed was a little roof where I could sleep. And uh, yeah, I just put a mattress and nothing else. And I just, you know, left. Wow. You left full of with fear. Full of fear. Full of fear. Full of fear. Wow. Absolutely. So I, I'm interested to hear your, your take on the fear that you had when you left and how you look at the world differently now than you than you did when you left. But you left with 1,500 US dollars around there, correct? And exactly, that, okay. that's the number. Okay. Which here is a lot of money. Here is a lot of money. And then traveling, I realized it's nothing. But what I always say, especially to other travelers who write and, and they wanna know because everybody, Everyone wants to know about money. Money is the main thing when, when they see you traveling. It's like, where do you get the money from? How much money you spend on this, on that? On... And uh, it's not important how much money you have. It's important which tools you have to make money. You don't need $1,500. You need every day $10, $15 when you're traveling. If you have $100, better. If you have $3 million, of course, welcome. <clears throat> but it's not, it's not true that you need to have a lot of money to travel. You know, and even if you start traveling with a million dollars, you spend it. So it's better to have the tools, which I didn't have, 
um, than the money because the tools help you to make money. So of course I learned all this on the way uh, because I was I wasn't a hippie like I said it wasn't hard it wasn't easy for me to show up in a park and like you know juggle a bit or paint or do some music and you know get money. So I I studied a business a career for the office. So yeah, that was part of the of the challenge as well, how to make money. So, okay, so you leave Argentina, you actually went to the southern tip of Argentina and then you headed north. Just give me an overview of, you know, the places that you have been All right. So I started, like you said, I started in Argentina. I went down south to Ushuaia, which is the southern city in the continent. And then I crossed to Chile. And then I went to Brazil. I went back to Argentina to cross to Brazil for the World Cup in 2014, football, soccer World Cup. And then I crossed through Paraguay, Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Belize. Cuba, Mexico, States, Canada, Alaska, and then down to Canada, to the States and to Mexico, where I shipped, where we shipped the bus to, to Europe. Wow. Yeah. Those are, those are a few countries to hit, especially driving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing here in, in, in America continent is that countries are much bigger than in Europe. You know, in Europe, maybe you do 20 countries. And in the States, you would be still in Texas, you know, or in Alaska, let's say, you know. Oh, yeah, so that's fair. Here that's in fair. America, countries are huge. The States, Canada, Argentina, Brazil. So I, I've asked you this before um, in the documentary that we did, but, and I really appreciated your answer because I asked you, where is the, your, your, the most favorite, your favorite place that you have been? And maybe your maybe your answer has changed from when I asked you that last time. But do you have a specific answer for that? I, it's it's uh, now I'm trying to remember what I answered, which is well, impossible. Well, you you said no, that but people make the place. People absolutely people make the place. Definitely people make the place and the whole journey. Now that I'm back home and I'm in an apartment, I would say that the best place I've been is inside the bus. Which I guess when you made the interview, since I was in the bus, I didn't realize it, you know. But of course, yeah, no, people is definitely the best thing. It happened to me traveling. But if you know, even now that I'm in the city and the car now it's it's in a garage and down there in a in a underfloor or whatever. Um, I guess that's that's my place, you know, and I and I miss it in a sense. Mm. Talk to me about the rewards and also the challenges of living in such a, you know, a confined space, living that minimalist lifestyle, because really that's what you were doing. You've been living a minimalist lifestyle for years. Yeah. But you know what the, it it was, but I had, and I still have much more than what I need, which I guess that's the hardest part of, of the whole thing to, to realize that you don't need much. And sometimes it's, to me at least, it was kind of like even scary because it's like, okay, what do you mean, Franco? Do you want to live in a tent? Or, I mean, if this is too much and you're living in a little van, then what what, what do you need? You know, and uh, in my case particularly is, um, 
realizing that you don't need much when I was doing my career to have a lot was very hard or, or shocking in a sense. You know, it was kind of contradictory. And, and then I realized that what I needed really was to be, to have peace in my mind, you know, to have peace in my mind, to be in a nice harmony with the world, with the people, you know, like you said, we have been traveling all over that all over also includes very dangerous places where the bad guys are, you know, uh, working there or this or that. We, we never had any issue with them or with anybody. Uh, yeah, some people came to the bus, they broke in and they stole some things. We were not there. We never saw violence against us. Um, we got to meet people in a different way, even the, even the bad guys, which at the end inside, they want to be good guys. You know, they were raised in that, in that environment. They don't know they're bad or good. They're just what they know. So having that peace in my mind and that simple life also lets you be more open to see what's going on with the rest of the people. And that was clearly, like, to me, it was fantastic. Hmm. Wow. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, uh, completely. <laughs> completely makes sense. It's you found what you did not expect. I'm guessing when you left Argentina, you expected something completely different. Exactly. I found what I didn't know what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, because in, in this lifestyle in the city where you're studying and working and thinking of money and getting and there and saving to buy an apartment in a, in a city, which is almost impossible to buy and this and here and there. And then when you're, when you start traveling, you realize that you were chasing something that it was not going to feel anything. You hmm. Know? Hmm. In my case, of course, this is very personal. So, of course, people on the other side can totally disagree. It's, it's very personal. Of course, of course. Would it be fair to say that in a lot of instances, people find what they're looking for? Yeah. Could that totally. be? Yeah, but they need to be open to see what they're looking for. Or to, to, they need to be open to be looking for something because sometimes we are so busy doing things and things and things that we don't really know what we are looking for. Like I said at the beginning, I didn't know what I want, but I knew what I didn't want. So at least I knew that that was not the path. Then I had to turn and go to another path that maybe was not going to take me where I wanted, but at least was something different. And then after, I was hoping that after so many no, 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 there was going to be one path that was going to be the one. So, but for that, you need to be open to go and be exploring different paths. Mm. Franco, I love your, I love your energy. I, I love, um, I love the way that you think and process things in the world. How, how do you feel about the amount of the number of people who you have inspired along the way? You have over 36,000 followers on Instagram. And my guess is that a lot of those people are people who you have met along the way, at least some of them. I mean, you've met a lot of people who have been following you. And I know that you've inspired a lot of people. How does that make you feel being, um, being an inspiration to other people? I hear you now and I, I get very emotional because I, meet, I, I miss a lot, a lot of the people that I met, very simple people. And uh, yeah, when you say uh, a lot of people got inspired by my story, but what we are doing, 
I don't believe it really. I mean, it's, I don't believe it myself. You know, I don't see myself inspiring people because at the end, I'm the one who's taking from people. Like I'm the one who's getting inspiration from different people. Like every person I meet, I never see it. I'm giving, I see it that I'm receiving from these people. You are one of them. Uh, you and all your crew, when I met you all, and, uh, you know, the more people you meet, the more stereotypes you break, the more barriers, mental mental borders that you that you break. Mm. And uh, I, ne- I never saw myself as somebody like inspires other people, even though sometimes I hear it and it sounds very nice. I guess I'm not used to that. Uh, but the truth is that I'm the one who's gaining from people in a sense, you know, taking in a, in a good way, of course. Uh, people taught me a lot. You know, I left this place full of hate in, in when I was living here because when someone does something that he or she doesn't like, at one point you will you will not like, you will not love. And I left home full of hate. You know, I didn't want to see anybody. I just wanted to be out. And then little by little people taught me how to love because they were showing me their love and you cannot love if you are not if you don't if you don't feel loved and that's how i felt traveling you know people everyone i met they were showing love respect they were kind so at one point i guess that's what i started learning from them and that's what i'm trying to also give back to other people so yeah i get very emotional when it comes to people and some like particular stories because there are some characters out there that i tell olga um that I wish I was rich just to like put them all together in one dinner, you know, like the, 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 the last dinner, you know, I wish I could fly them all down here and say, Hey, this is my country here. You have a massive Argentinian barbecue. Eat. It's all on my own. You know, that's the only reason why I would say in life, I would love to be rich, you know, people who don't even have passports, people who don't even have a, what I'm saying passports. Some people don't even have toilets, you know, out there. That's, it's a very uneven world. It's so I mean, it's so deep, Franco, what you're saying. And it's it's so true. Um I can only imagine the the people that you've met and the relationships that you have created. And uh when you get out there, you realize that we're all just people. You know, we're, we're all, all the same. People. We're we're you know, we may be in different circumstances, but we are all just people. And when the hate that is being propagated by things like the media, when that, if that was taken away and you just saw people for who they truly were, there would be a lot less, I think there would be a lot less um, scrutiny of, of people in general. Definitely. Definitely. And, through you, because now what you're doing is it's it's a source of it's media. Um, I appreciate what you're doing with this interview because we're trying. We, although we're not going to reach the same amount of these massive companies, uh, we need to start spreading the voice that there's a nice world out there. And not because I'm lying or I want to put something that it doesn't exist. It's because of what it, it's what re- really happened. You know, in my case, of course, my experience when I when we had maybe some negative episodes traveling which are they're not more than 10 in nine nine years all every you know those are the posts on instagram or facebook that get gets the more likes and more comments and people share the most 
But if I share, hey, here I am with Aaron in the States or with Erika in Russia or whatever sharing, people don't share it that much. People say like, okay, cool, that's it, you know. So there are so many, we need to kind of push media in a sense to also be fair in what to show and what to not show. Because here, like I said at the beginning in Argentina, they don't show the good parts. Mm. All they want to know, because I did some interviews here, all they want to know is like danger, drugs, cartels, violence. And sometimes I'm kind of, I, I, they get disappointed with me because I don't bring, I don't bring that much negative stories. And that's what they're expecting. Oh, you've been to Colombia. Like, how come they didn't kill you? It's like, I never, I never saw anybody who was going to try to kill me. Colombia, Mexico, States, Canada, nowhere, you know. But wow. no one wants to hear, tell me about the nice people you met. You know, tell me a story about that guy or this woman or this one over there. Hate, hate sells, anger sells, but we need to be creating a different type of world. And as you've said to me in the past, you just have to go see it for yourself, right? And that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to go see it for yourself and see that, see if everything that was being said was accurate and you found that the things that are being said are not accurate they're being twisted they're being over exaggerated to get those views to get that excitement absolutely because the more um sorry i'm not with this i'm not denying that there are things happening out there you know uh we were in many places where there were so many risks yeah but i just think that it's not fair you know, the propaganda they give to the good, you know, the, the good uh, stories and the bad stories. Mm. Mm. It's not even. Yeah, it's not at all even. It's definitely, the negative is focused on, definitely, definitely Absolutely. focused on. You know, going back to your, you know, your humble response to me asking, you know, about um, you inspiring people. This is what the listeners need to understand is... You know, if you're discouraged in life, if you if you feel like you want to help people but you don't really know where to start, you have to understand that everybody is there for you can be there for somebody. Everybody can be there for another human being. And Franco, he doesn't understand why he's an inspiration to people, but you know, the people who helped Franco along the way, they don't understand why they're an inspiration to Franco. I mean, we are all here together, connected, and it's so easy. It's so easy to kind of, um, I guess it's a humble response to, to look at ourselves and see, see ourselves as maybe the, the, um, the one that's taking and not giving. But I think that it's an equal, it's, it's equal. I think we give and we take, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, for those now through you, for those who who maybe if, if are looking forward to, to do some change, to travel, if they would like to start, but they don't know how, they don't know where, you know, I know for, for a lot of people in the States, maybe it's, it's hard to imagine how is to leave the country and go travel out there because I know also how media works in, in the U.S. Uh, specifically. Um, <laughs> You can you can start in Argentina. Now you have a contact here, Aaron. I would love to have you here uh, at some point. My house is your home. Uh, 
It's oh. not the States, it's a different country, but you know, more than welcome here to share. I promise you a great glass of wine or whatever, <laughs> just the, the best water, uh, you know, but anyone who's listening over there, if they want to have an excuse or a goal to say, okay, I need to start traveling. I want to see something different. Then they can contact me for sure. And my home is the home of everybody. Whoever wants to do something different, I'm open to receive anybody. Franco, you are so awesome, and I might ju- I might just take you up on that offer. My wife and I would love to love to come and, and visit you in Argentina. I really I want to talk to you briefly about the adventure of living on the road because as somebody I, I I can relate in a very small way because I've spent months many months at a time living out of a backpack and the reality is is every day seems like a different life as you have told me before you just don't know who you're going to meet you don't know what's going to happen and it's just so different than living in a society in in the 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 norm, the societal norm. It's so different. So talk to me about what that is like, just never knowing what's going to happen next. Well, uh, life is a constant surprise when you're traveling. You know, uh, that surprise could be could, could be bad, could be negative, if you are ex- depending also on your expectations. Um, so it, those surprises kind of, a lot of those surprises depend on you. Uh, for example, at the beginning, every time the car was breaking, breaking up, I didn't know how to react. And I was reacting in a very negative way because who wants, who wants his car to be like breaking up, you know, once, <laughs> twice a week or once a week. No but kidding. Then, yeah. But then I realized that, okay, the car broke up. Let's hold here. Let's prepare something to eat. We have our kitchen with us, which is only a little stove and gas. And uh, something nice will happen. I mean, we're going to start working on fixing it up. But some people, someone will stop and say, hey, what's going on? What do you guys need? And that really happened. You know, it started to happen. Like the car was breaking. I remember Olga, my my wife, she was always looking at me saying like, okay, what we're going to do now? And she was kind of like not patient with my patience of being relaxed. Something will happen. You know, we're going to meet amazing people. We don't know who. It could be any. Uh, so, yeah, those surprises uh, when you're traveling happen all the time or people who come even in the morning, you wake up and you already have someone there waiting for you saying like, hey, good morning. Do you want to come and, you know, have breakfast with us? And it's like, OK, cool. We were not expecting this. Awesome. You know, and maybe a little town that looks not very interesting at the end. You spend a week there with that family and you made friends and you made family you know so not having that structure of life gives you the opportunity to be just you know open and ready to enjoy whatever life brings whatever the day brings because every day is different which of course also it happens that sometimes you suffer those surprises the car breaks up in the middle of nowhere it's raining the weather is terrible you're running out of food so you need to hitchhike to the next village or town or city. Okay, that also happens. It's part of life, you know. <laughs> so I, you, you mentioned your wife, Olga, and I would love to have a conversation. I want to know where you met her, but I also want to ask you from the comment that you just made, who's the patient one in the relationship? Oh, no, she's the one. Sorry, no, she's the <laughs> she's one. She's the one, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm much more impulsive, and she brings. She's much more uh, thinking, and let's let's think what we're doing. And I'm much more let's do it. You know. Mm. So so yeah. how is how is married life, Franco? I you know it sounds like you're both a very good team. You work great together as a team. Yeah, yeah. We met in uh, so we met in Paraguay. She she's Russian. But she studied in Columbia, Missouri. She got a, um, how do you call it, scholarship, uh, Fulbright, I believe. Fulbright scholarship or something like that in, in the U.S. Okay. So she did her master's there. And she traveled with some friends down to Panama in, a, in another bus. That This is before me. And then one of those friends was from Paraguay, South America. So when I was in Paraguay, she went to visit this friend. And that's how we met. And then since then, uh, we started traveling together and she has been an amazing uh, companion. It's not easy uh, to live in a, such a small um, environment or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, you can't, you can't, um, you need to keep both, both of us. We need to keep both of us uh, together all the time in order to continue moving. Otherwise, it won't work. So it's pretty much the two of us against the world, in a sense, you know, which in the end, in the end is with the world because the world was always with us. But for sure, the two of us, we need to be together mm. when we yeah, when we got stuck in, in Africa because of all this uh, pandemia and COVID thing. It was us, you know, suffering both together, you know, but knowing that we were, how do you say in English, really? relaying on each other relying 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 on each other like the days that i was like down absolutely she was like hey come on stand up we can't we can't and, and the opposite you know so she's she's an amazing team i just have to say um you know you made the comment you haven't practiced your english in a while franco you have very good english <laughs> Gracias, it's good. Amigo. It's good. I mean, way way better than me and my Spanish, which is about zero. <laughs> about zero. Hey, so you know, you're driving. You were driving back through Mexico on your way back from you know Canada, and and then all of a sudden, I'm looking at your social media, and you're headed to Germany, and then you're all over the place in Europe, and. How did that come about? Was that just a was that a an easy decision to make? Like this is the next step in the journey? No, I, but that's traveling. Um, so we we worked in the states, which of course the states gives you the the opportunity to work much better in terms of money. We were making more money than often in Latin America because the economy down here is terrible. So we thought you know that the world the russian world cup was coming football world cup 2018 so we were coming down from the states and we said okay why don't we try to ship the bus to russia how much would that be so we started making numbers this that and so we worked in the states to make that money we did it and when we came down to mexico the car broke up but entirely like the whole engine and oh. all our savings that we were saving for for that shipping um went to the engine so we met we started all over from zero in Mexico, which is very hard because the economy is not good. Um, we started selling in parks uh, t-shirts like the one you bought and hats and, and here and there and working 
And we didn't make that money, of course, impossible, but we met this couple who came and they were also travelers, but they were older than us, much more old, much older. And they kind of like loved the way we were handling life in a sense. So they got maybe that inspiration that you were talking before. So they invited, they bought a hat and a shirt and they, they invited us to spend time with them to their place. After sharing with them a week, 15 days, they said, okay, what are you going to do now? Because you don't have the money to go to Russia, right? And we were like, no, we don't have the money, but we're going to go to the port anyways to see if there's any room in a ship or if there's anything there that can take us to Europe. I don't know. We're going to just take a chance. We have nothing to lose. We have nothing, actually. So when you have nothing, it's good because you have nothing to lose. So, um, so before we left their place, this couple said, okay, here, take this with you. And it was a little envelope. And I was like, what, what's in here? Of course, the goodbye was emotional. And, and then this guy comes saying, like, this is for you. And I, I knew there was money in there. And the guy said, look at my eyes and said, do not stop traveling because of money. Go. Keep moving. Move forward. This is your, this will give you the ticket for, for Europe. And that's how we paid our shipment. That's how we ended in Mexico, in Europe. Which wow. is, you know... When when the when the when the agent broke up and we had to spend all the money fixing it, we were like, okay, Olga, I'm sorry, we're not gonna visit your family. We're not gonna do our Europe, Asia, whatever journey. It's not gonna happen. Latin America is okay. We love it. So, and at the end, we were like, okay, now we have the money. This will happen. And we went to Russia for the World Cup. We did Europe. We did Russia. We did uh, Siberia. We did the Trans Siberian train, uh, Mongolia. Uh, Middle East. We were. We went to Iraq, for example. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so those are the things that happen traveling. That you know, it's hard to explain. It's like how, you know. Ah, oh, that's crazy. You you have you have a drive to just keep moving forward, and it just seems like when a door opens, you just walk right through it. But you know, people sometimes at the beginning were like, "Oh man, this is." This is you. You're lucky. You're lucky. You're lucky. And then when you start meeting other travelers, we all share different stories. I mean, not necessarily about money, but stories that it's incredible how, you know, in a bad situation, something, somebody appears and turns everything into a good moment, you know. And, and, and now, of course, an amazing experience, an amazing story that I would love to tell my children and that I love to share with you now because I say it, but I, in my mind, I'm like living it again. Is there any challenges or anything um, different that you ran into that you can think of um, that was different from, like, say, South America to um, traveling overseas with your bus? Like, any challenges that you didn't face um, in South America or in America? Well, in, in South America, people are pretty open. Uh, I guess that happens in, in the, the, the more poor the country is, the more open the people are, kind of. Uh, that's, that's pretty much what we saw. So in, in South America, in Latin America in general, because South America, it's hard to explain to Americans, uh, but South America is from Argentina to Colombia, and then Latin America is from Argentina to Mexico. So in Latin America in general, um, in comparison to Europe, people were much more open. In Europe, people are much more closed. 
uh, everything is super regulated. It's rules everywhere, bureaucracy everywhere all the time. But then if you go more to the poor Europe, in a sense, which is the ex-Yugoslavia, which is the Eastern Europe, uh, those countries were amazing. Amazing. Wow. And um, no, we... I mean, the challenges challenges are pretty much the same. It's like, okay, what are we going to work on? And that's it. Provide food for, for us and for the bus, because, of course, uh, gasoline is expensive. But then not much more than that. The poorer the country, the more open they are. Why do you think that is? I think, uh, I mean, that was our experience. So it's not, it's not an opinion. It's a fact, at least with us. Uh, and I believe it's because um, it's because poor people in general, poor cities or poor villages or poor countries, they can't do it themselves. So they born knowing they need to, that they need to help each other and they need to be ready to receive some help and to know how to ask for help, but also to give to help. You know, so, um, yeah. Much, much more community oriented instead of, you know, thinking more specifically about me and me alone. It's much more community driven. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not saying there's no selfishness because it's full down here. Uh, but yeah, if you go to the, to the poor rural areas, you see that people, you know, uh, no, even in the States, I saw that in, in the rural areas, people were much more uh, supportive with other people than, I don't know, New York, LA, uh, in cities in general. You know, it, it happens. No, I don't know. No, very much so. Just an opinion. Yeah, no, very, I, I've noticed that as well, for, for sure. I was just curious what your thoughts were on why that specifically is, but that's quite interesting. Um, and it, it makes sense. It makes sense. So a huge wrench was thrown into your trip when you made it to the Ivory Coast in Africa, which is West Africa. Um, Correct. And it's bordering Liberia, right? It's bordering Liberia. Correct. Which is uh, it's very related to the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's. Uh, that was the first thing I thought about when, when I was reading that you guys were specifically in the Ivory Coast was the fact that it was bordering Liberia. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 correct. So that was that must have been a major challenge. There was no way that you could get out. So how long were you stuck there? So we got stuck there uh, for like 16 months. Oh, wow. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 14, six, no, 15 months more or less in Ivory Coast. The thing is that we didn't want to leave. So we became a family, not just Olga and I. It's Olga, the bus, the cat, because in Mexico we adopted a cat and I. So this family of four, at one point we said we came together, we're living together. You know, at least at the beginning, that's what was happening in, in our ideal. Then, of course, we started suffering life a lot uh, because it wasn't easy with money, with the culture. We, we didn't speak the language at all, which is a kind of French, but French mixed with African. So I, I told Olga, I think it's better that you leave. We didn't have the money to take us all of us out of there. So I told her, why don't you go home and wait there 
and I wait here, I stay, I manage it. I don't, I don't care. But you know, as a man having the responsibility of having a woman there, it was tough. And uh, I loved it because she said, Franco, we came together, we live together, you know, which, ah. which was amazing, you know, yeah. So that's why we stayed for such a long time there, working and saving and suffering because to save one more penny every day. You know, we, we're not going to eat here. We're going to, you know, just go to the market and we're going to, you know, we couldn't afford for like, normal food that today i can go to the market and buy like you know today tomorrow the day after tomorrow but then there we were saving penny behind you know penny after penny until we and also struggling with the bureaucracy because in africa all the people think that white people all the white people are rich so for us that was very hard uh, especially with us people were like okay what do you guys do we are travelers ah, okay so you are rich basically <laughs> You're white, you're traveling, you're more than rich. So it was, Africa was a complete different chapter, you know, very hard. Living in that way in a, in a, you know, a poor environment. Oh, how, how were you guys finding, how were you finding work um, on the Ivory Coast while you were there? I know in the States and other places you were selling t-shirts and hats, but my guess is that didn't really work out there. What were you doing for money? No, exactly. So the first two months of the, of the um, how do you guys say in English, the pandemia? Is it pandemia? Uh, how do you call it? Pandemic. The pandemic, okay. The first two months we were like kind of happy of it because we were not moving every day. In Africa, we, our lifestyle changed a bit because we weren't through lots of dangerous areas where we couldn't enjoy what we were doing. We were just like checking in places to see kind of saying like, okay, good. They didn't kill us here. You know, kind of like, okay, good. We made it. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So when the pandemic came, those first two months, we loved it that we were not traveling, that we were not doing anything, just waking up, relaxing, eating fruits and veggies, which is very cheap in Africa. But then after the second month, we realized, okay, we're running out of money again. So we started cooking Argentinian food, which are called empanadas. And, um, but we didn't know how to sell them. And we also didn't know how in terms of the language because we didn't speak the language. So we did delivery only and through WhatsApp, uh, through Messenger, but no, no calls. But not, not because we didn't want to take the courses, because we didn't know how to respond to the people. So you could be writing to us, and through Google Translator, we were like, okay, sure, where do you live? How do you go? You know? So it was kind of a challenge. And it's, in Africa, for example, people don't have like, okay, I live in this road and this number. No, it's like the road next to the tree behind the blue car, you know, you will see a dog. <laughs> so <laughs> delivering there was kind of hard. <laughs> but, uh, but we made it. You know, we made it, we worked, we, yeah, we had to work a lot, actually. And, uh, wow, we made it. Wow. Yeah. Then all one, then, sorry, one more thing at the end of, of, uh, our stay there, Olga, who's a journalist, she, I told you, she studied in, in Columbia, in Missouri. She started doing documentaries for BBC, for CNN. And when that happened, then we felt a bit more, okay, now we can go buy an ice cream, you know? Okay, now we can go buy a cold beer. 
you know, those are our, our luxuries, you know, like we were in a country that is like extremely hot. The weather is summer all year long. So yeah, eating the cheapest ice cream for us was like, you know, we felt like champions there. <laughs> that was actually, I have a note on my paper that says that was the next thing I wanted to ask you is I was reading about this documentary. Was she doing multiple documentaries? Um, and I guess it was all in that specific country. Is that correct? True, because so we couldn't leave Ivory Coast, so everything had to be there. And the good thing is that since Ivory Coast is French, um, a lot of French go there, but none of them speak English. So what it started being hard for us because we didn't speak French, we spoke English, let's say, because no one speaks Spanish. At the end, it was we, we turned it into, a, into an opportunity because, for example, uh, I don't know, CNN, BBC, they were looking for stories, they were looking for, for, for documentaries, but no one was going to do it in English for the States, for England. So the fact that we were there for them became kind of like, okay, cool, we have these two crazy travelers down there, maybe they could do something for us. And uh, yeah, at the end, what it was kind of a complication at the beginning, it turned being an opportunity for us. That's awesome. That's amazing. So that really helped you guys in in getting the money that you needed to eventually um, move on. Once you were able to leave the Ivory Coast, did you was that when you headed home? Yeah. Okay, you didn't yeah, yeah, just yeah. keep keep going. I mean, everything is. Uh, my guess is maybe you can speak to this. Everything in the world right now is just so disrupted from this pandemic that. Things are things are changing in some of these countries. I'm I'm I've spent a lot of time in India and I'm really worried, you know, what this is gonna do to my to my friends there and to the people who live there. I mean, they're already living in poverty and now the government isn't allowing them to farm and, and they're locking them away in their homes and like what is how is that going to affect the people and the desperation that may come from this? Yeah. No, no, absolutely the same. Well, in Africa, you know, people, you couldn't, you couldn't do the, how do you call it, the curfew in English is the same. Yeah. And in, when they keep, when they keep the people inside uh -huh. in Africa, in Africa, it was impossible because people literally live day by day, but, but really day by day, they need to work that day to eat. So it was impossible to do the curfew. And actually no one really paid attention to the, to the pandemic but not because they were kind of ignorance it's because they didn't they don't have a choice you mm. know only the wealthy people could say stay home you know in africa you have 20 people living in a home <laughs> actually the house is outside they only sleep inside you know in case it rains but then the whole day it's outside so mm. they just didn't have I, the luxury they didn't have the luxury at all you know, mm. and, and forget about those vaccines because those vaccines were coming from Europe. They don't trust anything coming from the white men. You know, they don't trust anything coming from Europe. Like they, they had this, um, I, how do you call it? It's not malaria. It's another thing they had in Africa and Liberia, Sierra Leone, uh, that no one ever cared about because it was African, a disease. I, now I can't, I can't remember. So now they were like, why now do you, are you really interested in COVID here? Is it because now you guys are suffering as well? So Africa is a complete different, uh, 
chapter, like I said. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I could listen to you tell stories all day, and I know that you have a lot of stories from all your experiences. I wanted to... Um, I wanted to get a clarification on the timeline of your journey. When did you leave Ethiopia? When did you leave um, your home? Oh, Argentina. Yes. Argentina. When did you leave Argentina? I left Argentina in 2012. 2012. Okay. And then you shipped the bus in 2018. Correct. Yeah. Before the Russian, before the Russian World Cup. Yeah. Got it. So you were, you were, um, you were over there for for three years then, about. Yeah. Yeah. In to, yeah in yeah Europe, Middle East, Northern Asia, and Africa. Okay. Okay. Um, without yeah. 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 I it's it's a breath of fresh air to have this conversation with you, Franco. Um, you know your belief in humanity and people is just something that unfortunately. A lot of people are are losing just simply from maybe I don't want to use the word ignorance, but they're losing it just because they they're not experiencing people. There are they are sort of taking um, other people's opinions at face value and and just believing those things that the media tells them that social media tells them. How has the last few years helped to shape your perception of humanity? I, I think there's only, as a, as a, humanity is one, and there's only one way forward for everybody, men, women, white, black, green, blue, uh, Muslim, Jewish, and Catholics. The only way forward is all together as a species. Um, with the other species, we're not more than any other species out there. And uh, I'm very positive, and we have these conversations here, especially well because of our travels. People ask me all the time, like, are you positive or negative with the future? I'm very positive, um, and it's because of what I see, or what I saw, or what I experienced. And then people say, like, yeah, but look, in Iraq, this and this is happening, and it's like, okay, but you're not in Iraq. You don't know what's happening in Iraq. You're in Argentina, and here. They're showing you the news of Cuba or Iraq or, or not even Africa because no one cares. But, you know, if you're in Argentina, why don't you see what's going on in Argentina and take care of that and take action of that? You know, it seems that you go to Iraq and they're talking about the news of Argentina. You go to Argentina, they're talking about the news of Iraq. And everything is to not see what's going on next to us because this is what we can do. What we can change is what it's next to us. You know, I, I'm not saying that I don't care, but... The, issues between Palestine and Israel, for example, which there's nothing we can do from here. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm not saying uh, who's wrong, who's right. But I'm saying we are here. I'm here. I can change for good. I can do a change here. So let's focus on what we have, on what we do, what we are here. And uh, based on what I saw that people did with us at that moment, at that place, I'm pretty positive. Hmm. Yeah. If there are, if there's somebody out there listening to this podcast or watching the, watching the video and they want to, um, you know, maybe their perception of humanity is not what it should be. And, and they might say to you, Franco, 
I disagree with you. You know, I disagree with your view on humanity. I see it differently, but I'd like to see it your way. I would like to change my perspective on the world in general. What do you think people can do right now to help them change their perspective on humanity? Maybe they're unable to start traveling tomorrow. Maybe they're unable to start, you know, that journey. But what can I do right now to start to change my perspective? I, I, um, it's interesting because I really agree with people who disagree because at the end, my perception is through my experience and your perception is through your experience. So if your perception, perception is negative, uh, I, I would never try to change it by words, you know, because that's not the way. It's through experience. Now, I can't have the experience for you. I do the experience for me. So in this case, if you have a, a, a bad perception and you are interested in having a different per perception, then you need to change your experiences. And the only way to change your experiences is not traveling and leaving your home or your village or your country. It's just moving different. Because if you do always the same path, then you can't expect to have the, the, a different experience. Um, I, I realized, I, had, I did all this journey, but I realized that everything was here. And I realized it in Mongolia, that everything was here, home in Argentina. You know, I had to go and, and I did a huge loop that probably someone smarter than me would have done it in a week. It took me nine years. It's life, you know, my experience, I had to, maybe I took a longer path. Maybe some people took some longer path than me and maybe some others, they solve it in a week. You know, in Mongolia, I realized, hey, Franco, maybe your life wasn't that bad. Maybe your family is amazing. Maybe you have amazing friends. Maybe the problem was also you. You know, it's much easier to see the problem in the rest. So what I did here is I knew that I was having a really bad perception of all, all the world and everything. So the only thing I needed to do is to walk different to walk a different path. The only path that I found was traveling the way I did. If some other one tries a different path, of course, no judging, great. And I'm sure that if you walk a different path, for sure, you will have a different result. It mm. could be better, it could be worse, but if it's worse, you continue changing the path. It's the only way. It takes a lot of humility to realize that maybe part of the problem is myself. Oh, it's the hardest part. <laughs> it's much easier to blame the rest. Yeah. I blamed everybody. I blamed, I blamed my parents, my circle of friends, my country, my culture, you know, blame, blame, blame. Learning to appreciate. To Absolutely. That's a different journey, the mm. journey inside, mm. you know, that is when you start traveling, in my case, I started traveling outside, but then at that same moment, I didn't know I was also starting to travel inside myself. Mm. And that's a, that's a hard one. <laughs> you get disappointed too many times. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a lifelong journey. Uh, absolutely not. It's, so you say absolutely. that this journey took you nine years, but you know, you are still on the journey of, you know, figuring oh. it out on the inside and it's going to be that way the for a long time. Is, yeah. The inner journey is daily forever, mm. forever. Mm. Definitely. 
I love it. I, I just, I, I wish we could go on for the next, you know, three hours, but I need to, I need to, I need to let you go. And, and, um, I, you know, I just, I have appreciated meeting you and, and having the experience and meeting you and having you in my life and following you in your journey. And, uh, I'm really excited about something, and that is I've been wanting to get my hands on a copy of your book. Is there any way that I can get that? The Clarita uh, book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Where we can ship it from, from Mexico, we need to see, um, okay, how we work on the logistics. But for sure, we sold it in, in the States. People were really supportive. So through you, which I guess most of your audience is American, I also want to thank everybody because I had an, ama an amazing experience in your country with your people uh, in all different ways, in every different state. People were wonderful with us. So, yeah, definitely. Thank you all. And, yeah, I will get you a book there. Uh, that would that would be amazing. I'd love to get my hands on two because I'd like to give one away on the show. And then I also have to keep one for myself. Sure. No worries. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to wrap up here, but do you have anything else in your mind that you can think of that you'd like to say? There are people listening to this podcast who know you, who have met you. I'm sure that some of the people who you met uh, when you met me are listening to the podcast right now. And so, you know, anything specific that you that you want to share before before I let you go? It sounds basic, but it's a very big word. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Those, those two words, gracias uh, to everybody. Merci beaucoup in so many languages. Those are the, language, those are the words that you need to, to learn uh, traveling in every language, wherever you go. It's how to say thank you. And this is what I say through you to everybody who's listening. Thank you. Mm. Franco, you're going to leave a legacy. You are leaving a legacy behind that is is huge and and hard to match. So thank you. I want to thank you, Franco, for for being on the show and for and for your uh, yeah for for all of your uh, your wisdom and uh, and sharing with us today. If people want to reach out to you personally, where can they find you? I know they can follow you on your Instagram page. What is your Instagram page? Okay, so I, I, you will have to help me here because in English, uh, so in, in Instagram is at rutas.salvajes, which is R-U-T-A-S dot, it's hard, S-A-L-V-A-J-E-S. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes so people can just click the link and go and follow you. Okay, and you're all welcome in Argentina again. Uh, it's not just words, seriously, I'm talking. Whoever writes, whoever says, hey, Franco, I'm showing up, uh, I guarantee a good wine and a good Argentinian barbecue. Oh, it sounds amazing, and I'm going to have to take you up on that very soon. But thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I'd love to do this again with you sometime. But um, until next time, thank you for the people who are listening to the podcast. Thank you for sticking to the end. And I also am so excited to be um, telling you that this is the first episode that we are filming. And so we have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's the Simply Overcoming podcast. 
YouTube channel. Look us up. We'll also have the video directly on the website. And, and if you're interested in actually watching and looking at this face instead of just listening to the podcast, <laughs> I'm sorry, but the option is there. So <laughs> thank you, Franco, so much. And, uh, and um, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you next time, all right? All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody.